Do you have any blind spots? Now, I don't know about you, but generally, generally when I hear the word blind spots, I always think of driving. There's always those blind spots we have to be aware of that some other car is going to be over there and it's just out of our line of vision, and so we have to be very careful. But we have blind spots not only when we're driving, even when we're walking. I know sometimes when I'm in the grocery store and really moving down that aisle and I have to get around somebody, I've got to make sure I check that I'm not going to bump somebody else. So even in walking, we could have our blind spots. Well, I want to talk about walking today and blind spots, but not walking in the grocery store. I want to talk about our spiritual walk and maybe we have some blind spots there. Now maybe you're thinking, well, you know, Pastor, I'm a mature Christian. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I go to church regularly, and I pray, so I don't know that I have any of those blind spots that you're maybe thinking of. Well, the other day when I was working with a new insurance company and they were asking a bunch of questions, they asked if I have taken a mature driver education class. And I thought, no, because I am a mature driver. I am not an immature driver. I don't drive recklessly. And then as I looked at the picture, I realized, oh, they're referring to me being old. They want to know if I've taken one of those old driver education classes. And again, I thought, no, I don't need that because I've been driving for a long time accident-free. But their point was, if you've been driving for a long time, you know, you might have forgotten some of the rules of the road. You might not be so aware of some of the hazards that are out there. Maybe you've picked up some bad habits, too. And that could be true for us spiritually. You know, we might say, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time, and so, you know, I'm not worried about those blind spots or bad habits. But we probably have picked up a certain way of living or maybe some bad habits that we could call spiritual blind spots. We're continu continuing with that series of messages entitled Christian Character Counts. And we're looking at a list of seven characteristics that Peter listed for us in his second letter. Today we want to look at the characteristic of godliness. Here's that list again. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. Now, all of these characteristics are all linked together, and we were trying to figure out a way to present how they're all working together, and so we came up with this idea of a tree. So when we talked about faith, we were illustrating it with simply the soil. And that's the condition of our heart. Goodness is referring to the goodness that God has given us in Jesus. And so we talked about a seed being planted to start a tree, that, that seed of Christ being planted in us, giving us life. But as a tree needs its roots to draw up the nutrients from the soil, so we need to draw up that grace from God, and that comes from that knowledge of his grace and love for us. Peter urges us to have self-control, and we're illustrating that with the, the tree trunk. 
which is strong and steady and not easily moved. And then we talked about perseverance. And that's the branches of the tree as it continues to grow and remain strong despite the winds that may blow against it. Well, with godliness, we can think maybe in terms of the leaves. And I'll explain why in just a little bit. And so I would start off by simply asking you, do you have godliness or do you have some blind spots? Now, we might wonder, well, I need to know what you mean by godliness. The word in the Greek is a word that simply means reverence for God. And then it was used to describe how we display that reverence. So you look at a tree and it has life because you see things are growing on it. You see the leaves. What do people see in you that would show your reverence for God? Do they see good or, or godly living? So godliness is sometimes simply a way to talk about our practical faith. That is how we practice our faith, how we live our faith, our daily walk. But let me emphasize that it's more than just the actions that we do. It starts with the attitude, an attitude of reverence for God that, that desires to love Him, to honor Him, and to show others that we're in a right relationship with Him. So my question is, do you got godliness? Or do you have some blind spots? Now we know that we have blind spots when we drive. So now cars come equipped with mirrors on both sides. And sometimes they even have the small little blind spot mirrors on them. And then sometimes they all have a little message that says the objects in the mirror are actually closer than they appear. And it's kind of a reminder that, you know, you've got to be still careful because they may look like they're farther away, but they're closer. And that may be true about the blind spots that we have spiritually. We might think, well, no, that really doesn't apply to me. But it might be that they are in our life. Let me take you down a list of them as we look at our Christian walk and see what blind spots we might have. The first one simply might be, I'm doing what I always do. That's a blind spot. You know, it's easy for us to fall into certain habits. We pick up certain uh, behaviors or whatever, and well, we kind of always do it, and it doesn't bother us, and we don't change, and nothing negative comes from it, so that's the way we are. Maybe our conscience has been dulled. Maybe our heart has become stubborn about it. Or maybe our will has just grown weak and we don't want to change. So we have a blind spot that says, well, I, I just always do that and nothing comes from it, so that's the way it is. That's a blind spot. Another one is, well, I'm doing what everyone else does. So we see what other people do, and pretty soon that begins to influence us. We are easily influenced by other people. You know, the way we dress, what we eat, the different activities we participate in, well, those aren't wrong. But it just shows how easily we can be swayed by what other people do. And that's true with, with our behavior as well. You know, they're doing it, and it's not bothering them. 
And if I do it, it doesn't bother them, and there's no negative consequence that seems to come. So I do it because they do it. And whether it's gossiping or criticizing or complaining or using bad language, even having thoughts or beliefs about moral issues change to what other people believe and not what God says is a blind spot. And then there's this blind spot, perhaps the biggest one of them all. Well, I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm doing my best. You see, because we all know that we're not perfect. We all know that we're sinful. We all know we have a sin nature, and we're not going to be perfect. And so when we're not perfect, we just default to this and say, but I do pretty well. I do my best. And we go into this comparison game where we look at all the good we do and the good way we are, and we let that kind of cover or push aside all the bad. Or we'll do this. We'll say, well, okay, I have my faults, but not like that person. Boy, they really have problems. And so we play that comparison game, and we think, it's okay, because I'm doing my best. Well, all of those are blind spots. They're blinding us to what God says about our behavior and blinding us to some real dangers. So as we look at our spiritual life and see those blind spots, let's also look out for some dangers that are in those blind spots. And one of them is that this stuff is a trap from the devil. The Apostle Paul tells us where those blind spots come from. He writes, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The devil is like the best magician there is, with just the slightest movement of his hand, so to speak. He can create an illusion. He can get us to think something is okay. He can give us all those blind spots that we listed and we think they're all right. The Apostle Paul warned the young pastor Timothy. He said, have a good reputation among outsiders so that you don't fall into the trap of, or into disgrace and into the devil's trap. You see, he's telling us that the devil is intentionally setting a trap for us to step into. And that trap is to catch us. That trap is to harm us, to not let go of us. So we need to be on guard. Those blind spots are dangerous. Paul talked about another danger that comes with the blind spots when he said, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. What he's talking about is simply the world's deception. The world has a way of deceiving us through its teaching and through its ways to think that way instead of God's way. It's the world that'll tell us, you know what, you can live any way you want. You can do whatever you want, if that's what you like. As long as you're not hurting somebody else, as long as you're not violating anybody else's rights, you can do whatever. And don't let people tell you it's wrong when it's your right. You know, you deserve it. That's kind of the philosophy of the world. 
to dismiss God's ways as, as old and, and outdated and not necessary. And we fall for that danger. Now, the devil's traps and the world's deceptions are also very dangerous because of another thing. Our own poor vision. A couple of weeks ago, I had to take a vision test for the DMV. And, you know, you have to cover this eye, then cover that eye and read the chart. And I did perfect. Until she said, okay, now try it without your glasses. Took my glasses off, and I said, where's the chart? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I had a hard time even seeing where the chart was. So she writes down on the sheet, can't see it all. That's the way it is. That's the way I am. That's my natural condition of my eyes. Well, there's a natural condition of our soul also that doesn't see the things of God and doesn't see the things the way God wants us to see them. Our mind cannot accept the things of the Spirit of God. They need the Spirit to help us discern them. And then, unfortunately, even when I can see what God's way is, I have a spirit inside me that still wants to say no. You see, those blind spots can be really dangerous. So we need to look around and see what's there in those blind spots. Take notice of them. Now, as I was developing this message and trying to convey how I would bring this message to you, I was driving. And I don't know, it just happened to be one of those days when there was a lot of construction trucks on the road. And I wanted to see, well, what kind of things could get into my driving blind spots? And here are some of the things I saw. I saw one of these big tractors with this big, wide plow. And then there was another uh, truck that was pulling one of these uh, scoop kind of tractors. And another one that had one of those steam rollers that crushes everything. And then another truck that had one of these wide machines that would lay down the new roadway. And I saw something that was common about all of them. This identification. Me. Those were all about me. That big wide plow reminded me that Jesus said, wide is the road to destruction, and many people are on it, including me. I was reminded of, of how the guilt of my sin deserves to be crushed by God's justice against my disobedience to him. And so what I saw in all of that was my sin. And I need to be aware of it. I need to look around in my life and see my sin. But I can also see my Savior. You know, we're talking about godliness, and, and our, our first thought might be that, well, how I'm living, how I'm showing my reverence for God. But listen to what Paul reminds us about in regard to real godliness. He says this, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He, meaning Christ, appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed, in, believed on in the world, and was taken up into glory. Paul called it a mystery, something that's hidden from our eyes, but it means God 
has removed the veil so we can see it. It's no longer blinded to us. What God has revealed about true godliness is this. It comes from Jesus. He's the one who came into the flesh. God himself came into this world to live in my place, to live for me under those laws of God perfectly. And then, like that big scoop that takes all that dirt and stone and puts it somewhere else, God used his justice to scoop up his wrath and, and my sins and put them on Jesus instead. And Jesus was crushed for my guilt so that I won't be. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was pronounced the victor over sin and death. And because he is, so am I. I'm no longer a victim. I'm a victor in Jesus because it was proclaimed to me that he is alive and is one, and I believe that, and I too will have glory. I'm also reminded that as one of those big machines would lay down a new roadway, Christ has laid down a new roadway. He has put his godliness on me. Peter reminds us of that just before our text today. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. God has given me the godliness I need. He has sanctified me. He has set me apart as His very own. And so I live now in godliness because I'm trying to earn something from God, not because I'm trying to show I'm better than others, but because Christ now lives in me. So the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. That's what I see. I see my sin removed and crushed on my Savior Jesus, and I'm given a new life by God. What do you see? Do you have some blind spots in your life? Do you see some of those faults that are there, some of the weaknesses? Do you see the danger that exists? Or do you simply ignore it and think it's not a big deal? Or what about this? Are you blind to your salvation? Do you think it's how good you are, what you're getting and proving to God? Or do you see it all there in Jesus? Do you see who you are now? Somebody who's been given a new life, somebody who's been given Christ, and now has been set apart to live that godly life, to thank him, to show him your reverence. Apostle Peter says, Whoever does not have these characteristics we listed is nearsighted. That is, you just see what's right there now in this life. And blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. We're blind to even our salvation and the need for it. On the news this week, they were showing some pictures of the effects of the drought in our state. And they commented on, on how there are over 12 million trees dying in California. 
You look out over the landscape and you see the brown. Now, you know, so now we're all conserving water, which is good, but that's for us to use. It isn't for the trees. And we were warned about this with the drought getting worse. And we can see the signs starting to happen where, where leaves start to turn brown and wither. And as an indication, tree is dying. There may also be some signs spiritually in our life that maybe there's some dying here going on. Peter gives a warning about that. He writes, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? He was talking about the final judgment. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. We see the dying of vegetation around us. But there can be new life. New trees can be planted. Our drought in California is only going to end by God's power. That's the only way. We can conserve as much as we want. It's not going to stop all those trees everywhere from dying. Only God can bring it to an end. Only God can bring an end to the death that you and I have, and he has in Christ. He gives us that new life. He gives us that godliness we need and the godliness he wants us to live in. So, do you got godliness? The answer is yes. We get it. Let's learn how to live in it. I'm going to give you three simple things that we need to do to live godly lives. The first is check yourself. Just as we see the, the dying of leaves on a tree, look at your life. Do you see signs of spiritual dying? Peter gives us the standard to use to measure our life. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, you be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Do you see your weak points? Do you see your stumbling? Do you see your blind spots? Check. And then after you've seen them, confess them. With all truth, with all honesty, tell God, I see my faults. I know what I have done. Say the same thing that he says about them. They're wrong and deserving of his punishment. But then confess it with trust. With trust that God, who says, if you confess your sins, I will remove those sins. For the blood of Jesus Christ covers you completely and washes all your sins away. Have trust that you are forgiven. Then turn to him for the help you need, for the strength and for the guidance from the Spirit that you can live a godly life. And then commit to correcting your life, to changing your ways, to live 
godly. Now here's how you do that. First, get the attitude, the desire. This is what I want to do. Go for it. Paul urges us to have that kind of attitude toward a godly life when he writes, Godliness with contentment is great gain. He was just speaking about the the evils of just wanting to amass all sorts of wealth in this world. And he reminds us, godliness is the great gain. So he says, but you, man of God, flee from all of this, all the worldly things that you want, and instead pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. He's urging us, go for a godly life. And then we have to work at it. It's not a matter of just the attitude. We need to have the actions that follow from it. He urges us to do that when he says, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Many people are into different exercise routines, and they're into different eating habits, right? Because they all want that physical training, that physical fitness, and that's fine. But Paul says, but it's the training for godliness that really lasts and brings us the blessing. What does that training look like? Read the scriptures. Pray for God's strength and guidance. And worship him regularly. Showing him reverence. God is first. Then finally, follow your leader. Who is Christ? Peter speaks of that in that letter. He says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. The Apostle Peter, uh, Paul also wrote, follow my example as I try to imitate Christ. We imitate him with sacrifice and service. Now our sacrifice will not do what the sacrifice of Christ has done, that is, bring us salvation. But our sacrifice simply mirrors his great love for us, and we show that in our service to others. So that's how we live a godly life. Checking ourselves, confessing our faults, and trusting in God for forgiveness and strength, and then taking those steps to correct ourselves and walk in godly ways. Now you might be thinking, well, exactly what does that look like then? Practically, day-to-day speaking. Listen to these simple words of the Apostle Paul. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Godliness, you have it in Christ. You see it in Christ. Now live it. Amen.